The Brewers Association just added some new styles. Homebrewers, there are some ch-ch-ch-changes coming to the national competition. It's about to get cold with the new cold IPA. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the podcast that very much puts the snob into the phrase, why can't you beer snobs just relax and enjoy a beer without having to piss and moan about it all the time? I'm Jeremy Jones. You sounded a little ABM bev right there, Jeremy. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. <laughs> um, so I'd like to announce our new sponsor, uh, the uh, greatest beer that ever lived, uh, Budweiser, uh, the king of beers. Um, and, and from now on, we'll just be... Re- no, that's just a fucking lie. I would be... The, this, the quality of the audio you'd be listening to would be much better if we were no, getting kickbacks. No, we got sponsored by Patch Blue Ribbon, the true winner of that World Fair. <laughs> Back in, back in 18, I forget what year it was, but, uh, yeah. Hoopla! <laughs> uh, no, that's, that, that's, that's horrible. Tyler, what are we drinking today? What are you drinking today? I was going to say, I don't know what you're drinking, but I am drinking the Ada County Stout from Woodland Empire for this year. And man, is it delicious. Very rich. So from looking at the can... Uh, this year's batch was aged in rum barrels and maple yeah, and maple syrup barrels uh, with raw cocoa and cold brew coffee from Necker Coffee. And you get almost kind of a little thicker richness coming from those maple syrup barrels, I'm assuming. Um, you know, good rum notes coming in, as well as just that nice bold stout with that extra roastiness from the cold brew coffee um i actually had that um come to think of it i think i had that um uh last week uh pre-gaming for this very podcast so if i sounded a little bit off last week it was because i was at least uh, one of those beers in the bag um but and you're right it's spectacular uh i i dearly enjoyed it all the adjectives you used um uh um uh, it was it's it's good work from Woodland Empire this year. Oh, it's almost one of my favorites from them. And when I heard that uh, this year's had hit maple syrup barrels, you don't see that a ton around here. So I was like, oh, it may be kind of fun to s- grab a can, and they knocked it out of the park. And the first thing I thought when I tried it is I I thought back though. So there are some local uh, beer groups. They've kind of quieted down recently, but uh, a few years back, um, they were absolutely adamant that there was no good beer in Idaho. I mean, there was just it just wasn't to be had, uh, especially when it came to uh, barrel aged stuffs. I mean, why would they even bother? Um, You know, Firestone Walker, Fremont, um, you know, Goose Island, they have that all tied up. Um, so, you know, Idaho breweries don't even bother. And I would say what Woodland Empire produced is as good, if not better than any of the heavy hitters in the, uh, in the bourbon barrel, uh, aged Imperial stout category. Yeah. So I put it up, I'd put it up against Fremont or Firestone. It might not win, but I'd say it would, it's, it's a contender. I, I've been of the mind that if you put, and I, I've, stood on this soapbox you put you know the top three or four barrel aged beers from the treasure valley um up against similar equivalents from firestone walker 
Fremont, and you're doing just the base, or if one has adjuncts, you're ma trying to match as close to adjuncts, and did a completely blind taste test, I think there's a good chance a local wins it, or it's not a clean sweep where the a local will finish top two. There was a time, and actually it was around the time we were like spinning our wheels for uh, uh, the idea of this podcast that we were going to, um, at the uh, homebrew shop we both worked at, um, actually run that experiment, uh, get some get some of the top uh, uh, bourbon barrel-aged imperial stouts, and then uh, a, a couple of locally produced ones, and actually run a blind taste test and see what the, uh, what the reaction was. We didn't do it um, because we're better at thinking about doing shit than actually doing it as most drunks are inertia <laughs> i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum at the moment i'm uh enjoying a couple of beers from uh top cutter or uh, not top cutter from uh bail breaker. breaker top cutter being their uh their uh flagship ipa but uh bail breakers brand new in town um i've you know, I've been a fan every time. Every time somebody uh, uh, brings one into town, um, they are they are now distributed here. So I'm very happy about that. I'm starting off with their Pilsner, and it does not disappoint. It is everything a nice, crisp uh, lager should be. It's got that light malt sweetness, the just the right amount of uh, of like German spicy hops um, that cuts right through it. Extremely drinkable. It's a gorgeous uh, light lager. I mean, Bale Breakers always made killer beers. Uh, it also helps that they started out as hop farmers first. And then finally, one of the kids was like, why don't we open a brewery? And they did it in the middle of basically say, all their hop where, farms. Where should we do it? I don't know. Right here? What, in the middle of the farm? <laughs> So they get the cream of the crop of their hops, or if they want to start e doing a lot of beers with that cool new hop that they found, guess what? They can grow it. They're unique so. that way. Yes, it is. I, I, they're definitely on. Because I've actually learned that. I was kind of aware of it, but I learned the full extent to where they were located just recently. Actually, just you know when they came into town, I kind of want to go to there now and. Just stand in a hop farm and drink a beer. Mm -hmm. um, the cool thing. Oh shit! I just blanked on where I was going with that one. So. All right. Well, well, Tyler tries to remember where his brain is. Actually, I think Tyler has got a story for us, so maybe he'll have that thought. Maybe he won't. Tyler, uh, do you want to start <laughs> us out today? Yeah, we're gonna get up. We're gonna start on the topic of everyone's favorite thing in beer and what actually made us found this podcast uh bullshit super bowl commercials uh well the the name of the podcast oh style guidelines <laughs> <laughs> it so, is it, it is kind of a reoccurring <laughs> theme right up there with super bowl commercials uh uh yes uh the the maddening uh quality of style guidelines Yep. So the Brewers Association just released one of their, their updated 2021 beer style guidelines. Uh, if you're tracking, you're like, wait, I don't think that's the name they talked about last time they talked about styles. That's because we talked about the BJCP styles. 
the BJCP hasn't updated their uh, style guidelines in, in getting close to 10 years. Their last one came mm -hmm. out in 2015. I'm kind of curious if they ever will, or if they just decided that's uh, that's as good as it's going to get it. But the Brewers Association style guidelines are the style guidelines that are used to judge the Great American Beer Festival because the Brewers Association is the ones who put on the Great American Beer Festival. Well, um, they added four new styles. Uh, Kentucky Common, Belgian-style Session Ale, the New Zealand-style Pale Ale, and the India Pale Ale. Or, and New Zealand India Pale Ale. <laughs> I was going to say, that last one, uh, I don't know if you've heard. It's been, uh, it's been a thing here in the <laughs> States for, you know what? I, I'm going for months now, maybe even a year or two. Couple decades, yeah. Uh, but I got one of uh, those new new ifas in front of me. Uh, but what got me, and I actually found it hilarious when you leaked out this article on our Facebook. What the caption you put was because you went in the complete opposite direction of my thinking. What's your uh, thinking? You were... I mean, I will. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into. The, the, I mean, I scanned the article real quick and had a you know an initial gut reaction, but where you were like, "Why did they make Kentucky Common?" You know, a new style. I get the New Zealand. When I read the article, I was like, "Okay, Kentucky Common. It's a not really used style. It had died off, and you know, a couple breweries here and there make a Kentucky Common." Um, really, which ones? I mean, Oscar Blues did it most notably four or five, four or five in this ago. area. Yes, but uh, there has been some produced over in like the southeast that and, I've seen. And also, I the I don't know how good or how accurate. Uh, excuse me, Oscar Blues. Is yeah, Oscar, Oscar Blues is, was to the style, but if they're assuming that that was a good example, it tasted like a light porter like a light boring porter it was like a crisper schwartz beer but with i mean okay yeah it's like if you blended it's like if a if a english porter to schwartz beer had a baby and that baby was kind of baby was kind of dumb i'd say like a kolsch meets a schwartz beer okay that might be a little bit more accurate sure all right i'll go with that uh, that actually that does sound somewhat appetizing so um you know, under the right, and that might be part of it. I didn't know what it was so ex I was expecting when I tasted it. I was kind of like, "Oh, that yep. that's that's it." Uh, but what got me about the New Zealand editions, uh, which I, when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, the New Zealand." I mean, they make some great tropical hops. Um, but here's what the styles are defined as. Um. A New Zealand-style pale ale is simply billed as exhibiting hop attributes such as tropical fruit, passion fruit, and or stone fruit, cut grass, and diesel. Cut, to create... wait, cut grass and diesel? Yep. Diesel? Yep. I, what are uh, they brewing with in New Zealand? I've never, I have never, ever gotten a hint of diesel off my beer. Sometimes no. ethanol, but not diesel. So, uh, and this is to create an overall impression that is well-integrated, easy-drinking, refreshing pale ale style with distinctive fruity hop aromas and flavors. 
I'm like, what's the difference between that and a fucking pale ale or an American pale ale that could use some of those more tropical fruit hops that are grown in America because it doesn't need to be grown in New Zealand. So the only thing is it's a tropical fruit crisp pale ale. Why does New Zealand fucking get that? (laughs) That's just a fucking pale ale! I mean, there was a time. You know what? Actually, I gotta say I'm behind it because there was a time when pale ale was not a session IPA. A pale ale was its own um, was its own unique style. In fact, on yes. the subject, Bale Breaker does a fantastic version of a true pale. It's not an IPA. It's got its own thing going, and so. Um, I would say that you can makes... have a good pale ale without having it taste like an IPA, but having tropical fruit and you can, it can be an American pale ale. What makes it fucking New Zealand, New Zealand hops? No, that you can use all American grown hops and call it a fucking New Zealand pale ale. The fact that I read the article and I knew that would get that reaction. <laughs> Also, now moving to the New England or New Zealand style IPA. Uh, the flavors are floral, fruity, tropical stone fruit, and other sulfur diesel like citrusy and grassy. Okay, it's the so, all right. I have to keep on going. The sulfur diesel does make it unique. Is that a requirement of the style? In which case, yes, it, it, it absolutely has a unique category or unique characteristic. And no, I don't think I want to have anything to do with it. Okay, yeah, I'll give the sulfur diesel. If you want to make it taste like fucking red dye diesel, that's on you. But. But that appears to be central to the New Zealand. Again, I don't know what the fuck they're doing over in New Zealand, but if that is a common common uh, quality of their beer, then that is truly unique and uh, worthy of its own style. But my, my question coming on this is, if you were to do a smash beer with... Let's just... Mandarina Bavaria. Okay. It's going to be very citrusy, a little grassy, if I remember correctly, Jeremy. Eh, I mean, mandarina, depending on how you use it, I, I mean, late, early in the boil, it presents, it presents awfully close, actually, to its, um, to its mother, um, uh, Halata. Um, okay. And so, I mean, you could almost use it early in the boil as a, as a, as a German style hop. Um, late in the boil, it starts present, and or in whirlpool especially, it starts presenting that very like fresh tangerine flavor. Or okay, mandarin. let's go. If you did a beer with citra and pilsen malt, and you fermented it fairly crisp, easy drinking, add a bit of diesel. No diesel. No diesel. But it's gonna be. A lot of late additions, not necessarily a hazy, going to okay. be very fruit forward. What the fuck difference is that between a West Coast IPA and a New Zealand IPA? Classically, a West Coast IPA. I mean, this is where you might start, like, you know, questioning, um, uh, you know, the, we, 
when you talk about West Coast IPAs, the uh, the IPAs of you know our early experience, you know Stone IPA, um, the uh, or sorry Ruination IPA, uh, the original Sierra Nevada IPA um, that were that used heavily the sea hops for that really grapefruity herbal flavor, less the like intense fruity flavor that we're getting now. Yeah. But I mean, but you, you, I guess you make a point where you're like, okay, but who does that style anymore? Would you just reclassify all the IPAs being brewed these days as New Zealand IPAs? Yeah. Well, also outside of Hayes, what's the difference between a New England IPA and that? Diesel. I feel, I, mean, I feel like I keep okay. coming back to the diesel. Outside of diesel. Outside of diesel. Because I, mean, I still don't know what hop gives off fucking diesel. I mean, what else do you need? I mean, that right there is pretty indicative of a region. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would guess. I. I mean, from the from the descriptions, do they give example? You know, prime examples of uh, of the article I found didn't give an example of it. I mean, I. It, it makes it sort of makes sense, but it doesn't. I, I especially, I, 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 it is kind of a joke. But if they are getting like, if the New Zealand IPAs and pale ales that they're making, they have a distinct fusel flavor um, that they like for odd reasons. And yeah, I would say it's a unique characteristic, especially if they are if they're heavily influenced by the locally grown hops. You're right, Citra has a lot of um, of qualities to like say nelson saw vic secret um others that are escaping my mind at the moment um but uh why thank you why um um moteca moteca i mean a lot of them feature tropical fruits and uh, you know and but not don't I mean, worry i'm trying to download the new guideline from the Brewers Association okay. as we talk right now, because it really chapped my ass. So <laughs> I'm surprised you hadn't already, and we're not like in the middle of an angry letter to the Brewers Association. <laughs> Are you waiting for this podcast? Um, uh, this podcast might be. God damn, Brewers Association, make your fucking website mobile friendly, you dumb twats. <laughs> It's 2021, you imbeciles! <laughs> so Tyler is having a bit of trouble downloading the uh, the the exact style guidelines from the Brewers Association, as you may have inferred from the screaming on uh, on his end. Nope, that's 2020. Um, I'd just say let's. <laughs> well, well if we find out. We will let everyone know. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> well, the uh, but uh, the one thing uh, I also want to touch base on was I found it kind of interesting. The Belgian style session. Okay, yeah, there's the other one. I I'm not familiar with that at all, unless you're talking about a Belgian single, which is a style. Well, the funny thing was is that so. Um, Somebody, 
a couple years ago at a homebrew competition here in town entered a Belgian single and it was really, really good. But part of the problem was is nobody had actually had one because you can't have a classic Belgian single outside of the monasteries in Belgium. And so we all mm. kind of looked at each other and were like, let's just assume this is correct. I mean, we read the uh, we read the descriptions and we're like, yeah, that kind of sounds like it. It's a really good beer. I think it ended up winning a medal. Um, in fact, I think it ended up placing best in show. Um, but due to at least no small part to our ignorance, which, which was, well, we've never actually had a Belgian single. There's nobody in, in this room that's had one. So let's just assume it. I mean, it's a really good beer, so let's just assume it's right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but so here's what the article that Food and Wine had that kind of dives into that. Uh, so the Belgian style session ale uh, is stemmed from they had received numerous comments from judges and Belgian beer experts uh, to make this change. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a broader catch all for beers in that single range uh, of modest alcohol content ranging from 2.1% to 5% ABV. Um, And they lowered, and when they created this, they also lowered the maximum alcohol on Belgian table beers from 3.5% to 2% ABV. So when they made that change of the Belgian table beer style, they created this style to basically work as a home for the beers they just isolated. So, I mean, like your Belgian blonde ales, Belgian pale ales, maybe. Yep. So, all right, I so, that sort of makes sense. Have you found uh, uh have you found uh, out anything on the uh, on the New Zealand except for their very very gassy oh. uh, um, uh, uh, hop profiles? No, because uh, literally, like, the menu on their mobile page comes to halfway through the fucking screen. So I get the last half of every sentence. Give me one second. I'll see what I can do for us. I'm on a desktop because I have a proper computer like a proper person. My name's Jeremy, and I'm a fucking asshole. (laughs) That was... I gotta say that uh, that uh, 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 that was spot on. I I do sound like that. Um. <laughs> but for those of you also thinking Kentucky Common, what the fuck is that? They still haven't got. It's similar to the California Common, uh, but was proliferated near Louisville, Kentucky, from the Civil War era. Uh, corn grits and flakes were commonly used at about 25 to 35%. Of course they were. <laughs> um, they used hard brewing water because of the area. Uh, they consumed it very young, uh, and it allows for moderate... In a modern version, you can have a very low level of tartness from the malts used. Um are you ready for um, ready for the uh, the two New Zealand styles? Yes. All right, New Zealand style pale ale. I don't think actually there's nothing here that we haven't already covered. Um, uh, you know, uh, a perceived hop aroma flavor, medium to medium high, exhibiting attributes such as tropical fruit, passion fruit, and or stone fruit, cut gra- cut grass and diesel. Um, 
and otherwise nothing I wouldn't see in uh, in uh, an American pale ale New Zealand IPA um, same thing in high intense uh, hop uh, character floral fruity tropical stone fruit other sulfur slash diesel like citrusy and grassy um, just a quick look though um uh oh hey guess what um american style imperial or double uh, ipa um also includes among their attributes um uh floral piney citrus fruity berry tropical stone fruit other sulfur diesel onion garlic caddy resinous and many others so what you so might there be- is zero fucking difference but what you might be looking at but i mean well th- there's also something to this so so that was from american style imperial or double ipa um and um what you might be seeing it i mean you look at the what the flavors on an american um uh, IPA are. I mean, they are literally anything you can pull from a hop. And so it would perhaps, I mean, I'm not sure I agree with this, but I mean, maybe they were trying to differentiate while not necessarily exclus- exclusively using New Zealand style hops, um, featuring the characteristics of New Zealand style hops because they're hop flavors that they're looking to dial in on are pretty specific. I mean, they're tropical fruit. They are passion fruit, trop- you know, of uh, citrus. Yeah. And so may- so I would say that when they're, um, when, when they're identifying this style, what they're looking for is pale ales and IPAs that exhibit the qualities of New Zealand hops in particular, not necessarily using New Zealand hops, although that would so, probably be So, like idea. a juicy IPA? Nah, juicy IPA is different, brah. Juicy, uh, I mean, that's that's where you're getting to a hazy IPA. No, uh, no, juicy... juicy doesn't necessarily mean hazy. It doesn't? No. Here it is It just right means here. it's gonna be very fruity. Clarity, low to very high degree of cloudiness is typical of these beers. Well, okay, I guess fair enough, but I guess... So, honestly, we need to scrap the whole fucking system. We need to create it where it is like a high bitterness IPA. Also, let's not forget that part of the thing that pissed you off and led to the creation of this podcast is the fact that beer categories... All these style guidelines overlap too much? They, there is some overlap, so you can't... Some! <laughs> some! That's like saying there's some incest in Alabama! <laughs> you said it, I didn't. Uh, and by the way, that's why you need a Kentucky Common. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, there's Kentucky Blue people! <laughs> Just a couple. They eat too much silver, but... Mm, yeah, silver. <laughs> We'll go with that. <laughs> anything, anything else about this article that has absolutely pissed you off, or no? Just style guidelines are fucking stupid. I wanted to get that off my chest. I hope everyone agrees with me. And 
Just drink the beer you like and breweries, make the beer you want to make. Stop trying to win a fucking medal. Uh, Tyler, and this is and this is Tyler's soapbox to abolish all beer competitions forever and always. Fuck beer judges. Love you too, Tyler. Thanks, buddy. All right. <laughs> Speaking of which, national homebrew competition news now. <laughs> uh, you know what? I would, I know you were worried about it, but it's back. <laughs> The Super Bowl of Domestic Fermentation, the Olympics of DIY alcoholism, the World Cup filled with something that smells a bit, a little bit too much like butter for my liking. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the National Homebrew Competition, and it's back after having to cancel last year's event because, you know. COVID! <laughs> why, why did everything good not happen last year? Um... But it's back this year, um, and it's and it's coming up rapidly. But things are looking a little different this year. And I found an article from Vine Pair uh, by Mandy Naglich. I'll go with Naglich um, that uh, uh, lays out all the changes, including a few tips that'll help uh, help the help the home brewer get his beer in the hands of some very very asshole judges like myself, who will tear your hard work to pieces. It's what we do. <laughs> or like Cody did when he went to NHC when we all worked together. And he's like, I had the best tasting sour ever, but it smelled like a gorilla raped my nose. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I I got nothing to... I, how, what does that smell like? I don't know. It was something along that line. He's like, I looked at the guy. I was like, this fucking smells terrible. The guy's like, I know. It's horrible smelling. Just drink it. You'll like it. And he's like, and I did. But he's like, real- it was the most like vile smelling thing I've ever smelled. I mean, actually, I've had a beer like that where I'm like, smell it. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be awful. And then I taste it like, actually, this is this is not bad. Actually, it's quite good. Just don't smell it too much. Just don't breathe. Anyway, <laughs> but, well, the first and the biggest difference is that this year um, there is but one judging location. Now, previously, um, the way this competition works is that there would be um, a, a 10 different regional um, sites you would send your beer to, right? Um and depending on which region you were in, you would send your beer to this place. They would get judged. Uh, the winners would then be sent to Denver to be judged along with the other winners and and the winner being judged from them. Well, that's not how it's working this year. Uh, this year, it's a big-ass Thunderdome in Denver. Um, and uh, they're doing this for uh, primarily to, to uh, help control the spread of COVID. Uh, but it's actually potentially going to help competitors as well. I'll get get to that uh, in a minute. Um, the idea is in, instead of having hundreds of judges all over the country assembling in various places, um, all the judging will be done by 40 to 45 judges per day. Oh my God, their palates are going to be fucked. <laughs> Not necessarily 40, 45 judges in total. 40, no, 45, but... But you're right. Eight Unless hours. they're judging all of these over the course of a fucking month. Over the course of a week. 
Yeah. So think how many samples get sent to fucking GABF, and let's look at how many homebrewers there are. I mean, they get thousands. They get thousands. Um, and I, I kind of looked. I thought I thought of the numbers myself. I'm like, are you sure about this, guys? But anyway, forty to forty-five judges per day over the course of a full week. And here's how it'll work. All entries from a single category are going to be separated into flights of 8 to 12. Now, two judges will uh, evaluate that flight. So that's the first big change. Usually you need to have three or more. Um, but you're only going to have two. But the big one of the big differences is, is that everybody uh, judging this is going to be BJCP certified national or higher. Okay. So, uh, so these they really are assembling the best of the best as far as beer judges go. Um, so you got two judges to evaluate a flight to make judging notes and send the top three to the next round, right? Um, the next round is broken up into flights of eight to twelve. A pair of judges selects the top three and so on and so forth until they get to a point where there's only twelve or less beers remaining. All beers making it to that final round get an award. Uh, for the for just being in the final round. And from there, five judges will determine the bronze, silver, and gold for that particular category. The first place orders of the, each category go on to compete in the best of show round, and their winner gets the distinction of being the 2021 Brewer of the Year. Easy as Holy that. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the person who made the best beer out of upwards of 2,000 beers. Easy, right? Yeah. But like I said, there are actually some advantages. Um, you know, first of all, um, you are definitely getting you're, you're getting the best uh, judges and the best feedback. Correct. Um, I mean, these guys have been doing it pro professionally for quite some time. Um, but also, there's like I said, it used to be divided up by region, and and the winners of each region went on. So there's a possibility, of course, that. Um, Let's, if there's a region, let's say the Pacific Northwest, because we produce kick-ass IPAs in Pacific Northwest, because the hops are right over there. You can you can you can reach out your window and pick them, as I am wont to do. Um, <laughs> but so we're producing killer IPAs in the Pacific Northwest versus let's say a less hop adept region, the entire Midwest. Fuck you, Midwest. Um, I used to live in Nebraska. Fuck you, Midwest. Um, there might be absolutely, but there could be absolutely some stunning IPAs that get kicked out of the competition early in the Pacific Northwest because they're not as good as their regional counterparts. But mixing up, mixing the pool up a bit, you have the possibility for more of the quality beers going forward. Sorry, you have a better pos possibility of making a final table where you may have not got sent to Denver. Correct. Uh, the 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 effect of that should be fairly low, but that that possibly does exist for re, for certain regional styles. Uh, reverse that when it comes to like German styles in the Midwest versus the Pacific Northwest, but perhaps I don't know. Um, so what do you need to do? Well, the biggest change um, uh, from the perspective of the homebrewer is the fact that they are now requesting a full six pack this year. Which is a lot. <laughs> to, 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 I, I, let me. As someone who sends beer to uh, uh, beer competitions, uh, you you kind of get a little bit like I'm sending them a lot of beer. I better get something out of this horse shit. <laughs> 
I mean, a six pack of beer. That's yeah. That's that's a that that that's a growler or so. You could be drinking that. I guess I've worked on the commercial level too long now. You have. I mean, you haven't you, you haven't poured out a growler of beer. I mean, that's that's like a tenth of the beer you just made. True. So you know, it's it's a that's lot. if you got a full yield too. That's I mean, also so you're making five gallon batches, which is common but not universal. Um. So, uh, but they are requesting a full six pack, um, and. Especially, we were talking about a competition where less than one percent of all entrants can expect a medal. So it's it's a big commitment and also a lot of money for kind of a long shot. Um, but the NHC director John Moorhead says that people can people can choose to send less if they're concerned, but urges people to send the full six. And he said in the article, uh, "quote When we get to that situation where we only have four bottles and we need a fifth, but we don't have it. There's not a lot we can do. I would hate for you. An... You topped out right there. Yeah. yeah. I would hate for an entrant to get to that far in the competition and just not have a sample to judge because they didn't want to send an extra bottle or two. I'd rather have those bottles available or give them to give them a good chance of winning a medal or winning the best of show, which I mean, that does make sense. Speaking as one of those horrific people who adheres to style guidelines and judges beer, much to the chagrin of brewers everywhere, um, there are times <laughs> when you need to open another bottle, and there has been a, there's at least one in one in a, a competition that I remember where we were like, well, they didn't have one. We were kind of like, all right, well, they're fucked. <laughs> so I mean, you're already. I think they were requested three or four to begin with two extra bottles. Just do it. Um, it's more of your delicious beer sent into a black hole, but you know, you're already, at least someone's drinking it. You're already committing a lot to this competition if you're doing for, so don't, so don't, uh, uh, wuss out on me now. Um, so you got your beer, uh, you fill out your forms, you're ready to part ways with a six pack. Um, time to ship it. Now, Moorhead has some tips for making sure your beer gets to the competition safe and sound. Uh, first, he urges people to use recyclable boxes designed for safely shipping beer and to avoid packing peanuts and bubble wrap as much as possible. Um, again, from the article, think about the packaging you're using and multiply that by 2,000 or so. Fair enough. So, you, I mean, you kind of go, why would that be a problem? You go, oh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, can you imagine... 2,000 packages loaded with bubble, uh, with, uh, uh, those packing peanuts. Who does packing peanuts? I don't know. Maybe you do? Or bubble wrap. I don't know. Bubble uh, wrap. Okay. You're a bubble wrap person. Um, mm -hmm. that's good to know. Um, <laughs> of course there are some legalities about the, about the questions about the legalities and procedures when it comes to shipping alcohol. Moorhead points out that most shipping companies have extremely varied and inconsistent rules regarding the transportation of alcohol. He advises people to pay for shipping online, print the label, package the beer yourself, and then arrange a pickup time instead of dropping it off at a location. It's free. And you avoid having to answer any awkward questions. Although I just want to add from personal experience, if anyone asks what's in the box, just say marinade or just lie or, your ass off. 
live yeast samples. My go-to was always snow globes because <laughs> it accounts for the weight. If they hear sloshing around or glass, they're like, it's a fucking snow globe. Or you can just give them a, cre- a creepy, uh, 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 spacey look while they scream, what's in the box? What's in the box? You know, you, you, you just yeah. do you. <laughs> and be like, Brad Pitt, no! Uh, you know, no! <laughs> Bad Brad Pitt! What are you doing working at a FedEx? Your career is really taking a turn. Uh, he also recommends choosing two... Two or three days shipping instead of ground. It's more expensive, but he points out a little known fact that ground is often handled by outsourced private carriers who have their own completely different set of rules and regulations, not to mention quality control. Uh, He says packages have been held up in the past by these smaller companies due to leakages or some other technicality. So you're already in for the six pack. Spend the money, send it two or three days, make sure that the company, FedEx or uh, USPS, or sorry, UPS is actually the Not USPS, yeah. Do not send it through the Postal Service. Let's let's get that, that. I'm surprised they didn't mention that in the article, but do not send it through the Postal Service. Also, by qu- clicking the quicker shipping, it's less people handling your package, which further reduces the risk of it being punted into the next truck or them not being able to shut the door. So them kicking your box to try to get it to give a little so they can shut the door and less likely that all that precious beer gets wasted. Another idea is if you're a member of a homebrew club or you happen to know a bunch of homebrewers, then actually the best thing you could do is pull your resources and arrange to ship via freight. Uh, most freight companies have a weight minimum of 150 pounds, with at six bottles per entry, you do the math, you only need about 20 entries to reach that minimum weight. Um, at that point in time, you're shipping for about 30 cents a pound. Um, mm-hmm. and if I was gonna say, because most pallets I want to say ship for like 200 bucks, mm-hmm. so and at that point in time, if I mean, even if everyone enters two categories, you've got 10 people together to go in on a going on a pallet, there you go, you can see how that could quickly make uh, uh, that worth your while um, and you can get all your homebrew friends to enter as many categories as they want because the pricing gonna change if someone does one extra category and you go up an extra foot on the fucking pallet so there you go i mean if you're a member of a homebrew club get that you know pool your resources for that uh, freight shipping get the pallet and you're pretty much uh, good to go um but uh uh that being said you're probably running out of time right about now to do that. Good advice for next time. If, or if you can, if you already have an idea and you can get those people together, um, you've got just shy of a week, uh, as we record this, the deadline to register is March 3rd. Um, and then the shipping window starts, starts March 29th and ends April 9th. So, um, you got, if you're listening to this, you probably got just enough time to brew a beer, uh, get it packaged up, get your homebrew friends together, get a pallet, uh, and get it to the uh, National Homebrew Most Foundation. important thing, get registered, and then you can figure out the shipping after you're registered. Correct. Uh, yeah, that's 
that's a that, that's a good point and uh and also there's i think april there's like march 17th there's a you can still get your cost refund if you have uh, drastically overestimated your abilities so <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh minions send your beer to denver and have it be judged thusly tyler what's next well we're getting cold man we're getting cold so to kind of continue with the thread of my stories for how style guidelines just make no sense here's what uh, happened this week <laughs> uh tyler just felt like just screaming about i'm so surprised his uh his uh wife hasn't slipped the note under the door uh, <laughs> when i when i went to go to the office to start recording she texted me and said hey i'm going over to hang out at my parents house uh text me when you're done <laughs> she just evacuates the house now she's like you do whatever you're gonna do i'm gonna come back and pretend i still love you uh what <laughs> <laughs> so uh there's an article um that i found on the new school by uh kevin davy and he is the man who created the new beer style called the cold ipa you mean a uh an indian uh an indian uh, uh, uh lager or an indian pale lager yeah, it's basically he tweaked the IPL to make it more loggery. Or is it a dry hopped logger? Well, glad you read the article, buddy, because uh, <laughs> the first couple of paragraphs. It, <laughs> yep. In it, he talks about how the brewer specifically does not like IPLs. Uh, most of the time they're done with they that brewers do an IPA with lager yeast. Or approach it as a dry hop logger. Um, I will say that I will say this. I'm glad IPL has gone the way of like Belgian IPA, uh, black IPA. Well, black IPA. We did a, uh, a few uh, weeks back about making a resurgence, um, but all the variations of IPA with you know where they were just basically like let's do let's hop everything like we would an IPA. I'm you're right. I'm glad the IPL is pretty much gone now. But a dry hopped lager, when well done, I would argue is a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. And he talks how most people take that normal Pilsner style uh, and change up the hopping. And with the kind of the citra mosaic hop varieties, uh, it's a little more grassy. Uh, it doesn't give kind of that spicy, slightly bitter that you want with a Pilsner. Uh, and it usually leads the beer finishing sweeter and fruity, which distracts from the crisp crispness and drinkability. Um, so he works for Wayfinder Brewing out of uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, and he said the brewery makes about half lager beer and half IPA. And he didn't want to make an IPL. So he started trying to think of a way that he could put his own spin on an IPA and kind of reimagine the style. Um, so he thought, you know, brewing with adjuncts was the most American way of brewing. As is, as is true, yes. Um, so he used rice and corn um, because it gives it a certain body and mouthfeel that allows it to be a very dry finishing beer without 
feeling naked when done correctly. That's a good description, uh, actually. I ra actually rather like that. I mean, it is, it is what gives, like, the, a cream ale a, a, that distinctive mouthfeel. Feel, yeah. Um, and it also gives the beer that stark yellow appearance. Uh, he then used their house lager strain of yeast, which he didn't specify what it was. Bastard. Uh, <laughs> Budweiser. Uh, but he fermented, fermented it warm at 65 degrees Fahrenheit, yeah. unlike what you would do for a normal lager, to avoid the excessive sulfur production. Um, so he had a clean fermenting yeast. Uh, it allowed the hops to shine without a backdrop of ale yeast aromas, um, where you can get that sometimes with like a Kolsch, where the ale esters... Uh, can be confused for hop aroma. And he specifically called out London 3 yeast. Uh, so, uh, but he wanted to avoid that altogether. And then he did a technique they use for their Italian pilsners, uh, where they do the dry hop spund or dry hop krausen. Um, it's very similar to what some people use with like hazy IPAs. I was going to say that, they, like that mid-fermentation dry hopping. Uh, they dry hop at the tail end of fermentation when there's still plenty of activity. Uh, or they add fresh fermenting beer to the finish tank with the dry hops. Uh, it achieves three things by doing this. They fully carbonate the beer. Uh, the still active yeast is creating enough CO2 to push out any oxygen that gets in there from adding the dry hops as well as the biotransformation of the hops and he describes the beer as a magnificent hop aroma clean assertive bitterness and a bold clean finish that makes the drinker crave another sip I'll take so that. it's a bit western than west coast it's crisp and sessional, but strong and sneaky. It's cold IPA. And at the end of the article, they have 16 examples of cold IPA. Um, and most of these are kind of that Oregon area that I've seen. Uh, but Wayfinder has three of them on this list. Their Relapse IPA, their Cron... Chrono Kinetic IPA, and then a collaboration with Great Notion, the Cold Kush IPA. Um, but when this style appears on a style guideline... Um, I'm going to fucking hate it. I'm going to fucking hate it. He's going to be like, what? There's already an IPA style. There's already a lager style. Why are they doing both? Why is there overlap, man? Okay, tell you what. I'll give you this. I won't complain if there's not an IPL style. There is not an IPL style. Okay, then this could take the place of an IPL. Really? You'll you you'll allow that? You allow the uh, the Brewers Association that uh, that much uh, uh, leverage? I'm I'm surprised. Yes. Um, I'm just gonna hold on one quick second just to, just to make sure. Uh, you can actually hear me tippy tippy tapping tippy tippy tapping. Uh, oops, shit. Here we <laughs> go. Um, American style India Pale Lager is a actually a category. Oh, well then, yeah. Can't make this a style, then. It has been decided. 
I will alert the Air Brewers Association that they are not allowed to. You know, actually, and not for nothing, uh, right after uh, American style India Pale Lager is American style malt liquor. Whoop, whoop. See, now you're happy again. You're like, that's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Homeless people everywhere. The judges for that category. And Tyler. <laughs> Tyler's going to be like, I'm, a, I'm an expert. I'm an expert. Give it. <laughs> nope. This this smells and tastes like rat piss. This one is the winner. <laughs> Again, every time I hear malt liquor, I always think of our old coworker Luke, who goes, "Tyler, did you know they made start making steel reserves and plastic bottles now? Like you can't even throw them in street signs anymore." That's why they started making them in plastic bottles. Luke, I miss. I, he dropped by uh, uh, my uh, place of business. God. Had to have been right around the time we opened about two years ago. I missed that that loony motherfucker. He was a good guy. He was a hoop. I mean, I'm sure he's still. He may not be alive. He may be dead in the streets, but but presumably he's still alive. Um, and I only assume Luke is still alive and not dead in a ditch somewhere. During the moments I am actually physically looking at him. <laughs> Otherwise, he is dead to you. Uh, I I don't think he's not dead to me, but I'm a, just a, operating under the assumption that he did something stupid and he's dead. All right, well let's pour one out for Luke. Uh, <laughs> it makes no something that makes no sense to what everybody listen like. Will they stop talking about a person we have literally no idea who they're talking about? <laughs> or if Luke's listening, he's gonna be like, "I'm not dead. <laughs> I just gotta crawl out of this ditch first. So we got some Molson Coors news of them being sneaky and shady. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that uh, if you uh, pay attention to our Twitter feed and you ask I don't. Yeah, Tyler does it, uh, uh, as, as evidenced <laughs> by the fact a couple of weeks ago, I got into a whole uh, 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 a pissing contest with the uh, founder of Good Beer Hunting, and he didn't notice um, so once again, if you're talking to us on social media, and you absolutely should, you can find us at It's All Beer One on Twitter. Um, if you want to shoot us a message, you're talking to me. And if you've listened to Tyler like rant and rave today, you're gonna realize that's preferable. Um, but hey, if they message the Facebook page, it does come up to my phone. So sometimes you're talking to both of us without us knowing. So. so- Sometimes if you if you're on Facebook you might talk to Tyler. So if I guess if you want to talk to Tyler, go on Facebook. You might uh, actually get him and specify Tyler um, uh, uh, specifically. But um, no, I did post a uh, a uh, uh, a picture from the Molson Coors blog um, about their rebranding and and know, to show that Jeremy doesn't pay attention, I brought up this because of the picture. That I saw in an article today. And he goes, yeah, no, I saw that. I was going to bring it up. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then in our pre-production meeting, if you would call it that. <laughs> oh, we are professional as fuck here as, at It's All Beer. We have production meetings and everything. We're not in any way sober for them, but we, we, we have them. Uh, and he goes, I was like, yeah, they're doing something shady. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, again, your your personification of me is spot on. Yeah. So, uh, Miller Genuine Draft is getting a rebrand. So it's if you haven't seen the picture, it's 
a black can with like a red sun and an eagle flying down onto the word Miller. I mean, I, I the first look, and I think I my comment on our Twitter page was, gotta admit, the rebranding looks kind of badass. It does look vaguely badass. I'm not sure if that's the brand that that's what you know uh, uh, MGD really needed for their image, but you know, I mean. I could see someone painting that on the side of a van and looking cool. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 and the, then... the, the, the bird obviously does not give a fuck even, even less of a fuck than the honey badger. Mm, don't know if that's possible. Uh, <laughs> oh, that bird does not give a fuck. But, and then it has Miller genuine draft underneath. Uh, but they did a weathered font. And I think on purposely. And if you look at the draft, the D is weathered in the middle. So it looks like it says Miller Genuine Craft. Uh, it was one of those things like it, we, we were having that meet, that meeting. And he says they were doing something shady. I'm like, what do you mean they're doing something shady? I'm like, look at it. I'm like, I am looking at it. And he says, Miller Genuine Craft. I'm like. No, it says genuine draft. No, no, look at it. Oh shit, I see it now, and now I can't not see it. It's like the fucking FedEx arrow. Yep. <laughs> um, now while craft isn't trademarkable, kind of like draft isn't. I mean, I'd also it like to... could be confusing to consumers. I also want to point out that when looking at it looks much worse when looking at it like in a thumbnail. Like on on a thumbnail picture on my phone, it looks like Miller Genuine Craft. But if you but if I were to if you hold the can closer, you see the draft. Mm -hmm. But st I I sort of see it. And the ultimate test will be seeing it on a can on the grocery store shelf. But I'm like. I'm almost wondering if they did this on purpose to try to confuse it. And so someone's like, that looks kind of like a craft beer. It says genuine craft. Let's buy it. And that's where a false advertising could also could come in. If you're looking at Miller genuine draft and you, you look at that and say, and look at the little bit of a weathered spot and say, oh, this must be what craft beer is. You deserve exactly what you were about to get. People sued and won against Red Bull because it didn't give them wings. I'm not saying that. I'm not so, saying. <laughs> and a guy tried to sue Molson Course because Blue Moon isn't actually craft. Even though it's advertised as artisanally crafted, I mean, it's. I would argue that uh, that uh, Blue Moon is 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 more crafted than some beers out there, um, but yeah, I take your meaning. So, while there may be nothing like the Brewers Association could do, if I think if this can looks like that in person and it looks that bad. In five years, we'll see a false advertising lawsuit. Who would? I mean, who uh, you talking about? A you're talking about a uh, a a like the like the BA suing? Uh, no, no, no. Or, like or, consumer. Or, are you talking about and you, consumer 
filing a lawsuit. Um, I'm trying to think of a cla- like a class action. All the people yep. who were like thinking they're getting a nice crap beard. Oh my god, foiled again. It's just MGD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, by the way, at one point in time, were you not telling me that MGD was like the go-to uh, like? No, domestic- no, 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 no. Miller High Life. Oh, I'm sorry, Miller High Life. The champagne of beers. How dare I confuse the champagne of beers with Miller Genuine Craft? Well, <laughs> Miller Genuine Crap is only like 64 calories, so <laughs> it, it has zero flavor. Again, I guess if you look at that can and you're dumb enough to think you're buying craft beer, then I feel like you deserve what you get, which is, you know, yeah, a little drunk and not uh, nothing much else. A little drunk, a lot of disappointment, kind of like going home with Jeremy after a night of drinking. Hey, you know what? I promised orgasms. I didn't say who was going to have them. <laughs> Oh, what do we got now, Jeremy? <laughs> you know what? How about a nice, cozy tale about the return of draft? That sounds like a nice, a, a, a nice, happier story. Jeremy, you never do the feel-good stories. Are you feeling okay? You know what? It, it's time after after the doom saying that I've been doing for nigh on two years. I do feel like uh, uh, bringing up some fuzzy wuzzies. So grab your fucking slippers. Um, let me ask you a philosophical question. I don't wear slippers when I have sex, so I that don't have fucking slippers. Question. That wasn't the philosophical question. <laughs> well, you said grab my fucking slippers. I don't wear them when I'm fucking. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you a philosophical question. <laughs> you sit down at a tap room, right? You order a beer. The, the uh, bartender brings you a pint. And from either from the first taste or maybe even from the first smell, you realize they accidentally poured you the wrong beer. What do you do? Do you send it back and get the beer you ordered or just stick with what you were served? Stick with what I was served. And why is that? Because I'm not a Karen. Um, I got, I got to, I mean, I got to admit that all things being equal, the price being essentially this, I'm like, there's something I really wanted on draft that I came in specifically to get. Or, or the beer I'm given is utterly repulsive. Right. Um, I'm the same way. I, I will just drink it and cause a, why waste the beer? And besides it's easy, an easy mistake to make. I've made it before. And I got to tell you mm-hmm. about 75% of the time, the people won't say anything, in fact, go ahead and tell you a dirty little secret. I don't know how many other uh, beer tenders are guilty of this, but if I fill the pint by the time I realize what I've the mistake I've made, um, I'll serve it and see. Now, if I catch it, you know, after a couple of ounces, I will. Oop! Shit! Made a mistake and fill the right one. But if I get the see when, pint- I, when I was bartending, there was several times where I'd be pouring, I'd get almost full, and I'd be like, "Oh fuck!" I'd shut the tap. I'd finish pouring it, shut the tap, grab another glass, pour, be like, you said this, correct? Yeah, pour the correct one. And I'm like, well, they're like, oh, I'll just drink that other one. I was like, no, don't worry, I got it. See, I'm, I've am i been doing this too long. I'll just fill the pint and just serve it and see if they say anything. Now, of course, if they say something like, uh, this wasn't that, I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. Um, let me get you the right one. Otherwise... No harm, no foul, and I don't think I've uh, uh, I've I've been called out on it once. <laughs> I'm gonna call you out next time I see you do it. 
<laughs> next time I actually... I don't do it very... This is not a daily thing. Every once in a while. Every once in a while, because you have 18 fuck taps, but... Um, and, like, three non-fuck taps. Um, but... But apparently... That happened to Reed Ramsey, uh, the founder of the Beer Street Journal this week, uh, and he wrote a fun little piece about it. Um, he apparently ventured out for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic um, for a for his first pint from a draft. Um, he waxes poetic there in the article for a minute about the indescribable quality uh, to a freshly poured beer Um uh, from draft, um, it's aesthetic qualities. The you know the the just the uh, having a beer out, um, and I think you and I, most everyone who listens to the podcast, knows about the inherent um, the inherent qualities of like draft beer. Right? There's something special about beer on draft. Um, never mind the ongoing debate about the difference in flavor. I mean, you, there's something to be said about like there's some assurance that draft beer has probably been handled better than it has been at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the ambiance of sitting down, bellying up to a bar, having the vibe of whatever bar you're sitting in, the music going, the hustle, the bustle, the people laughing, high-fiving. The It's the same reason why... It's still nice to go see a movie in a movie theater every once in a while because you smell the popcorn. It's you, all your senses are being used instead of sitting in your house on the couch like you fucking do every night and cracking open a beer and going whoop de fucking do. We just got a window into your life, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> just come home from work, drop your pants, grab a beer like whoop de fucking do. <laughs> Honey, do you want to know? <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and watch this, and I hate my existence. Um, <laughs> I am a social creature, okay. Uh, Ramsey went out for the first time in a while, enjoying all the all the things that uh, all, all the qualities we just talked about. He ordered a pint of New Realms uh, Hazy Like a Fox IPA, but what he got was the Hoptropolis from the same brewery. Um. And it's one of the and the Hoptropolis um, he hadn't had since it first came out in 2018. Um, he called he describes it a juicy IPA, but he puts the juicy in quotation marks. I don't know what that means. I, I don't. It, it, it makes me suspect that it's like one of those IPAs that's like really a West Coast IPA, but they branded as juicy. Probably. I, that's my guess. Um, the point is that um, like most people, when the pandemic set in. Um, well, when the, in about March this last year, sales of old favorites just shot through the roof. Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, Deschutes, big mm-hmm. nationally known craft names, been around forever. You know what they are. You know what you're getting. People bought them by the 30 rack to weather out the bad times with just a little bit of comfort. Um, and draft has actually largely reflected that as well, well as a beer buyer for a tap room that tries to find the newest, the most interesting, the most sought after, or conversely, the most underrated gems. It has been a fucking nightmare ordering draft lately. Um, oh, because everyone's focusing or has to make sure they keep up on the package. And so they have draft of what they have in package. And they're not going to do that new crazy one-off thing that always sold 
that might sell great on draft, but they have no package up and might just not fucking do anything. And never mind that the distributors themselves are like looking at what they can buy and they're like, yeah, we're just going to buy what we know we can sell. I mean, we got restaurants that buy that have this on this on all the time, this on all the time, this on all the time. We know we can offload it. Let's just get that. Let's not fuck around with any of this. You're specially special shit. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we've actually uh, at at our tap room have kept about thirty percent of our taps open until recently. We're slowly. Um, uh, filling them as draft is picking up, but I, and then every once in a while, someone will come in that hadn't been in for a while because you know they've been sheltering in place as you were supposed to do. Um, they'll kind of come and go, look and go, Oh, you guys are, are a little bit light on draft. And I kind of explained that while well, we weren't going through beer very fast, so there really wasn't a, a reason to have as many taps filled as we did because what's the point in you know just having beer sitting there going bad, right? Yeah. But also, I'd also explain, like, there's just not a lot of stuff we want to get. I mean, I love Black Butte Porter as much as the next guy, but this is not the venue for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But a lot, but it's beers like that that's are, that are available. You know, things that are kind of like, you go into a, a place like mine, you're looking for something a little bit new and interesting. You look at Black Butte, and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll see what's in the cooler. <laughs> Conversely, though, I have been to a place and I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, I want something new, exciting. I go in and I'm like, oh, they got black boots. I haven't had that in a long time. Yeah, I'll do a pint. But he's actually talking a little bit about that too, because um, I, you know, a lot of you know people retreating back into uh, um, uh, the safety know, net. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily, you know, seeking out something new, which is what what he kind of uh, uh, found himself doing. Now, why in all the hells, um, if you've been stuck drinking the same beer for months on end, and you go out into the fresh air, you sit, be belly up to the bar, and you look at the menu and go, "I'll have the same thing I've been having for a while." I'm not sure I understand that, but that's what he did. Um, <laughs> Oh, had he been having that a lot, or yes, he was it? He had been having. Okay. Basically, he said he described as hoppy like a fox as being the uh, the beer that basically got him through the last few months. Okay, so because I know what some places had saw was uh, during that original shutdown, kids moved home from college that were now of legal drinking age that were used to trying new crazy one off beers along with their big domestics and moving into mom and dad's house again because they were no longer at college and mom and dad just came home with the safe staples of the Sierra Nevada pale, you know, the shoots mirror pond. Uh, and kids are really kind of trying this for the first time under a craft beer lens. Mm hmm. And actually liking it and going out and buying it when bars reopened. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, but for him, I mean, this beer was like what he had been, you know, what he'd been drinking a lot of. And actually, you know, accidentally being served, you know, it was the same same brewery, um, a different IPA. And actually, like, for the brewery, it was a, it was like their, their, um, um, like their second best seller at the time. 
And so one of their flagships? Was it, I mean, Hoppy Like a Fox sounds like their flagship. The Hoptropolis, um, it, it doesn't go into great detail of what they were doing with it, but they are stressing it now. Well, the uh, Ramsey uh, noticed that it had been popping up everywhere, and um, uh, the uh, New Realms had... Uh, was uh, uh, really leaning into Hoptropolis as a as a beer to market for the spring going into summer. Um, mm. Not like you know, it wasn't their flagship, but also it was more like, hey, remember this other good beer we made? Try this too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the the point of what the what Rams was kind of saying was uh, was. There's, you know, that aesthetic quality is just now being remembered, and also the ability to like sit down six pa- a six pack of beer is a is is a hell of a uh, a, a of a commitment. commitment, yeah. But sitting down, looking at a draft list, and having that, oh, well, I haven't had that for a while, or I have never had that. Um, a pint, I'll do a pint. A, yeah, a pint is a is a pretty low commitment, and. Um, the uh that process of shaking off these comfort beers and going back into the strange world of craft beer is going to be strange for some it was strange for ramsey apparently um and but it's a it's it's a it's a hopeful idea that hey draft is returning and uh it's gonna be weird for a while but we'll get through this together um Mm -hmm. go out and have something you haven't had or go have something you haven't had for a while I was gonna say I know at least because I deal mainly with the on-prem and and the draft. I'm starting to see a slow uptick. I'm seeing it where, too. Yeah, where drafts moving a little quicker. Uh, places are starting to open up more lines, and they're starting to go through beer, and so it's giving me hope that once the weather's a little nicer, we can get to April or so. You know, patio weather's back. Get more people out and about. You've got that outdoor seating options for people who want to feel a little more comfortable with that. We might get back to somewhat normal. That's that's kind of what I read into this as well. It's like, I mean, the first like is that 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 first little peek your eye, you know, your head out of the door and look at the sun. Like, woo. It's, uh... I was going to say, this spring is not just shaking off the normal cabin fever. It's shaking <laughs> off the year-long winter cabin fever of COVID. Let's, let's say that started about a year ago. <laughs> you know, about this time last year when we heard about this cute little virus that was popping up in uh, Wuhan. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, these girls were getting detained in Europe. <laughs> Um, stay, uh, uh, stay safe. Uh, 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 we're almost through this. Um, but more and more people, I think, you know, obviously I'm, I'm seeing it too, because I, you had the, the people who are coming out fucking hell or high water. They're grabbing a pint. They didn't give a shit, but I'm seeing more and more people for the first time in a year, um, that are sitting and sitting down and having a pint. So, um, uh, I don't know this, this, that little, this little vignette made me kind of go, oh, that's kind of cute. It is going to be weird. I don't know how I'm going to react to having a, a having a pint somewhere. You've been having pints out uh, 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 elsewhere for a minute, but... The first time sitting back down at a bar, though, was a relaxing feeling. 
<laughs> It'll be nice, though, to get back on the other side where there's not those some of the dividers. You know, you can see a full restaurant pack, a big event going on. Don't have to have masks and. Nope, I don't like it anymore. I'm going back inside. This already scares the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) But something to look forward to. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to add today? Nope, nothing else to add. Well, this has been uh, It's All Beer. Uh, If you you want to pay attention to our Twitter page uh, and maybe find some things out before I do um, and, you know see what Tyler isn't looking at. You could actually like write a whole bunch of bad things about Tyler on Twitter. He'll never figure it out. You can get a hold of us at it. It's all beer one. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You might uh, you, you might uh, uh, find Tyler on Facebook. So actually post your nasty notes to Tyler there. At least that way you can see it and get really mad about it because let's face it. If you have learned nothing else in this episode, Tyler really enjoys getting upset. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's what get him gets him through a week, actually. I, <laughs> I just I saw like a good like couple of weeks worth of anger get purged right there. It was like it, it was therapeutic for me too. <laughs> and if and if you also enjoy uh, uh, watching, well, not watching, hearing Tyler get only I get to watch Tyler get red faced and and uh, upset, but you can hear it and imagine what it's like. Um, if you like that, uh, you can uh, 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 leave us a review on Facebook or uh, uh, iTunes or maybe a, a few other places. If you see a place to leave us a review, uh, why not? Uh, throw down five stars, tell us how good we do, or don't, you know. Um, leave one star and say that Tyler ruined everything for you. I don't know why I'm picking on Tyler for this. <laughs> It just, just, again, it just, you seem like you're so relaxed now. I can say whatever I want. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) yeah, he pissed and moaned about, uh, about style guidelines. He's now like in a perfect state of bliss. And so I just need to kind of push him back. I got to get a good style guideline bashing in once a year. (laughs) Once a year, more like once a month. Anyway, (laughs) that'll be quite enough for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Make sure to check us out next week. We will have a fun guest on as well. And uh, until then, I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. Have fun.